Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a comics and pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and Nick. No tricks, just treats. Brad Boppis. Hey, hey, Joe, how's it going? Hey, bud, how you are, how you doing? I'm good. Are you are you in a tunnel or something? Uh, I'm not in a tunnel. Are you? No, I'm not. That's good. That means we'll we'll have good recording quality. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Joe, I need you to be honest with me. Okay, I'm prepared. Do you think I have a good radio voice? Uh, I mean, we're doing a podcast, so I think that that is adjacent enough to radio that you could probably succeed at it. No, but you're not listening. I need you to be honest. What do you think of my 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 radio voice? Is it is it acceptable? Could I, I make think it... you have a nice voice to to listen to? Oh yeah, yeah, nice. That's what I like to hear. I'm thinking about starting a um, a midnight uh, rebel radio station. What do you think of that? Oh, cool. What are you uh, rebelling against? You know, the man. Right. This is a James Dean rebel without a cause situation. No, it's like I'm on the. I, I make a radio station. He didn't have a radio station, but but yes. Mm-hmm. I, I okay. I guess I guess he was sort of rebelling against his father. Yeah, my my cause boss. is like, my cause is like remembering the music. Don't forget about the music. You know, fight the man with with music. Right. Power. Don't music. sell out. Yeah. Don't sell out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't play artists who sell out. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be about the music and fighting the man and not selling out. And and actually, that's why I'm not on this radio show. It's because I sold out. <laughs> yeah, you're just on five or six juice boxes around the world. <laughs> not five or six brands of juice boxes, but just five, five or six. Or six. <laughs> <laughs> they did a tester. They did a feeler. It didn't go well. You were the green apple flavor, probably. Yeah, they're not even like... You said around the world, they're not even like in in places where people are. No, no. There's just like one in the middle of a desert somewhere. They, they like actually, drop it they, off they, by they, a plane. Yeah, they start with monkeys for these tests because they don't want to harm any human beings. So. Yeah, and the monkeys were so repulsed by yeah my face. <laughs> they, they knew that humans wouldn't be down to drink Joe Bortner green apple juice. Yeah, yeah. The apple juice is the same. I don't know why they why they didn't like it. They they love regular apple juice. They won't drink apple juice Weird. where the my face is on the boxes. I thought it was a nice picture of me, but apparently not. Super weird. Super super weird, man. Maybe pretty weird. Yeah. I think my my juice flavor would probably be like jeez, I don't know, like grape or something. Does that sound right? Hmm. Not that I I like hesitated cuz I don't really like grape juice but i feel like that would be my flavor yeah grape juice is sort of wine no it's it's actually not i mean it's sort of wine if you think about it well joe water is sort of wine if you think about it just with less nick Nick, Nick, let me let me educate you you something good are you gonna gonna tell me that that (laughs) wine is made from grapes please don't (laughs) <laughs> Look, Nick, that's not what I'm going to say. Okay. What I'm going to say is at, at Jewish holidays, in at least my family, whenever we, we uh, the adults had wine, they would give us the option of like a little bit of wine or grape juice. Oh, and I think you know that lot. I took the grape juice. But you're going to say a lot of wine. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's yeah, they point? got these babies drunk as shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. What is, what is your story here? Grape juice well, the, the replacement for the babies 
instead of wine was grape juice is what i'm saying all right well look joe i'm sick of you do you want to do you want do you want to hear about the the thing i have for you this week or what yeah yeah i do all right good i'm tired of talking about juice yeah let's stop talking about juice all right well this this who writes this stuff who writes i don't know someone who is not paid nearly enough um (laughs) this this week joe i have a movie for you and oh boy Yes, the movie is, is called Five Hundred Days of Summer, which we watched yesterday with 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 my roommates, and I was like, "Oh, this is a nice, good movie that we can all agree and watch." Because I thought, "Here's I, Joe." I thought this was a lighthearted uh, romantic comedy with a good message, uh, and you know, en- engaging editing. I thought I thought everybody liked this movie at all times. I didn't know that you could possibly not like it, so. What happened was mm-hmm. I was like, so did you guys like it when it finished? Almost certain that they did. And they were like, no, not really. Um, which I'm going to argue today is actually impossible. Uh, so, okay. movie, yeah. So it came out in 2009 and sort of a Fox independent, you know, you know. And it's about, it's a romantic comedy about, who's his, what's his name? Joe, I told you earlier. Joseph uh, Gordon Levi. Is that how you say Levitt. it? Levitt. 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 There are teams. I just- <laughs> thought I was being smart and he's the guy and he works at an office and he works at a card factory where they write cards and a hot girl one day arrives at his work and she's played by Zoe not Zoe Zoe Deschanel who is in New Girl is the new girl in New Girl um that's true then she's hot and anyways he's like (laughs) totally infatuated with her and you know he's kind of the very basic main character like oh geez I'm so nervous um and eventually he asks her out and then they start dating a little and the 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 fun thing about this movie is that it's it's uh it cuts around to the quote-unquote 500 days which is like the 500th day is like the end of the narrative like he gets over her i guess uh so it's it's non-linear and it it makes it more interesting that way even though it's kind of a a basic plot um so that's what quick question yeah is her name summer yeah her name's summer yeah Okay, I actually yeah, forgot midway, midway through this movie, someone asked what her name was, and I was like, uh. <laughs> and that, that was pretty <laughs> funny because her name is Summer, yeah, which is, okay, which is cool. a fun little, little thing they got. Um, but it's a very charming movie. Like, basically, the thing, my favorite thing about this movie, I'm not sure if it'd be everyone's favorite thing, is just like how very relatable it is, but it sort of ex- exaggerates like little moments. Like, like, at the beginning, he's sort of like, you know, he is very nervous to talk to her and has like, it shows you the brief conversations they do have. Um, and like, he, he talks to his friends later and he's like, whatever, man, I don't even care. Like she can go fuck herself. He like exaggerates that she's like this evil person just because he's clearly very into her. And all these, all these little scenes are super exaggerated, even outside of the romance stuff, but like, especially that. Um, and it's got a lot of like really good, like, I don't want to say gags, but like bits, I guess, where it like plays with filmmaking to do interesting you know, things that never really come back, but are just super fun in the moment to capture the emotion. Like they have sex for the first time and he comes out the next day and then they have just like a musical number, like Hall and Oates plays. Nice. And he nice. has like, a dance sequence out of nowhere. And there's like an animated bird that shows up and hangs out with him. It's just like, it's really funny in that way. It reminds me of uh, this show that I think I've talked about here before, Man Seeking Woman. It's sort of the same like humor, like super exaggerating regular emotions. And that's where they're really great. Um, there's another one, my favorite one. I actually kind of feel bad talking about it, but I think it's just such a strong pitch. 
is there's like a split screen uh, of his expectations, which play a little bit like before, like a little bit ahead in time and uh, reality. And it's just like a really funny, like just look at like the way romance sometimes plays out, you know, like, oh, you know, you're expecting to go there and everything's going to be great and she's going to love him. Um, but reality plays out differently. It's just like a very, it's, it's a kind of sad, but kind of funny and like, just like a really good reflection of real life. And those are the kind of things that this movie does that just like work, work really, really well. Um, I don't know. I think that's my favorite thing about it. It's also just like very, very funny. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Nick, you, you had me in musical number and then you had me again at the men seeking woman comparison. So I'm all in. It's, It's like, it's funny and charming and like, it's a little corny. But I think by the end of it, it sort of comes around to a conclusion that is at least a little bit relevant and applicable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, highly recommend. Yeah, I I think I would be into this movie from the way you just described described yeah. it. I mean, I don't, I really, I just scientifically can't understand why someone wouldn't be into this movie. But apparently, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, your roommates who are also my friends, are yeah. dumb and wrong. Dumb and wrong. For this yeah. I, I, you haven't seen it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joe, you're right. <laughs> okay, okay. Maybe I'll come back next week, and I'll see the movie, and I'll have a different thought. But cool. for now. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything for me, since I brought you something? I do, in fact. Uh, my thing for you this week is a comic by the name of Dracula, Motherfucker. Um, <laughs> This is a new book uh, from Alex DeCampi and uh, local superstar Erica Henderson. Um, it's about the, the return of Dracula after uh, a century, after he was entombed by his uh, three brides. Um, so it's set in, in 1974 and focuses on this uh, crime scene photogra- photographer uh, named Quincy Harker. Um, and he's being hunted down by Dracula and is forced up, he's forced to team up uh, with the, the the brides who are now immortal um, and they originally entombed Dracula so Dracula is also sort of out for revenge against them um, and so it's a, it's a pretty quick read it's like 60 pages um, but it, it, it mainly it's like just an incredible thing to, to look at um, it's flashy and, and energetic and absorbing in, in all the ways that I th- that I like and that I think you would like um, it's like this really great spotlight for for Eric Anderson as a cartoonist. Um, I think I talked to you like last year um, sometime about uh, her and, and Kyle Stark's book Assassination. Um, and this is this is equally cool, if not a cooler action comic. Um, the page layouts are crazy. Um, they're they're often trippy, but it's like so clean to read um anyway i think it's such a cool comic um eric anderson like in the there's a bit of like back matter where they talk about like creating the book um and there she talks about how she laid everything out as as two pages spreads um and and basically how that gave her um not only a bit of like visual flair but also allowed her to like control the reading experience really well um like there are only two sort of one pagers in this book um and they're at the beginning and the end uh so it's like very meticulously designed um and i think this is a really cool technique and it's one that i'm actually uh using right now on my current project um which you know about but they don't know about um and she also talks about 
doing the colors before she inked it um and i think that really comes through in like the the way that the book sort of portrays mood like like every scene you can sort of because of the the tone of the colors you can sort of immediately tell where it is and like when it is and like sort of what's happening um or like the emotion of what's happening um otherwise like the way they portray dracula like himself is 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 really cool um he's not like a person like you would expect him to be um he's not like a guy in a cape um but he's like this this shadow creature that's sort of amorphous and he has all these like glowing red eyes and teeth um and so it's got these very i think different aesthetic influences from like what we normally see of of like the public domain character dracula um and so so it's probably in that way very different from like anything about dracula that you've sort of consumed um yeah it's like this fun breezy energetic horror action story uh and i i I really recommend it nice you know i love two-page spreads so yeah that's good is it physical or digital uh both you can get it probably anywhere okay fair so it's like a book book i don't know for some reason it sounded kind of smaller i i believe you though it's a book yeah um it's sort of i i guess there are like more and more of these but it's like a you know, so it's 60 pages, so it's not quite a, a graphic novel per se, but it's not like an issue. But the version I have is a hardcover, so I guess, you know, that's a book, right? Yeah. No, no, I got you. I think I think you might have mentioned the page count and somehow I, I thought it was something else. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I can probably find it. Sounds cool. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, I do recommend tracking down the digital, the or sorry, the physical version if you can, just because like sort of the way that it reads because of the the two-page structure uh i think works a lot better when you can see both pages at once yeah it sounds like that yeah yeah cool you know you get it i do do you want to move on to our main topic uh i think we shall uh nick today we are talking about uh the first three volumes or so of hayao miyazaki's nausicaa of the valley of the wind um this one's pretty famous i feel like people will know it because there was a movie and stuff (laughs) yeah there there was a movie i did i actually didn't know the movie for the longest time i read this probably four years ago maybe um as like the whole series and i was just really impressed um it's by, you know, the famous Miyazaki, except uh, <laughs> it's just him. <laughs> he left the studio behind, and he, one-man army here, makes a comic, even though he really didn't have to. probably could have made some movies. Uh, if yeah, you want wait, to let like... me... So this came out in 1982, I think, at first. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Uh, let me look up real fast... And he like started making movies. Yeah, definitely before that. You don't think? Yeah. Um, no, I I always I don't I actually don't remember. I like I have the memory of knowing this, but I don't know it. Uh I I I think that he like halted produc- production on a movie so that he could make this for a bit. Something like that. 
Uh-huh. Um, he was he was directing TV shows in like the eighties or sorry in the seventies. Uh, well, it doesn't. I mean, the run goes for how long? Like ten years or something? Yeah. So like, it definitely. Okay. Yeah. So his first movie was Castle of Cagliostro, which came out in nineteen seventy nine. Uh, then he did the Nausicaa movie in nineteen eighty four. So only like. A couple years after I, I i so so that's interesting because the nausicaa movie like only portrays like you know the first volume and a half of the comics um and it at, at first i thought that was just like a, an interesting creative decision um but i i guess that's just like what was out when they made the movie <laughs> yeah really <laughs> he's still working with the rest i guess <laughs> yeah and then he made like four more movies <laughs> before this book was over <laughs> i don't know i don't know what was going on in his head but it's pretty cool that he made this comic as well as making all those nice movies for us yeah uh, i i agree yeah anyways where are we joe what's the world called i forgot uh but it's there's 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 some i don't know if it has a it does on the map name. It, does, it does on the map 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 i'm looking at the map and I'll describe. It's just Torumekia, I guess. Yeah, exactly. That's you just read okay. a name. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I thought that was like the specific. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't Please know continue. if there's anything else. Anyways, it's kind of like a sort of small area. That's how it seems at the map, and that's how it sort of definitely feels in the comic. Um, and there's there's sort of this lingering thing because that's I mean that's the first thing I looked at when I read it. I don't know if that was in the original, but like the map, like that's the first thing you see is like this, yeah. this huge green mass sort of in the middle of it and then this like this tight space around it where there's a bunch of little cities next to each other and that that's just like a really good image to get at first because it really sets the mood for the rest of it this whole comic takes place in this sort of like end times scenario it's like there's this huge like infection force that like spreads these spores like the forest what's it called the sea of corruption exactly yeah sea of corruption man and there's these weird bugs that live in it and if you go in there without a mask you'll die and then like there's these tiny tiny kingdoms like nausicaa's uh home home valley which is like i guess a pretty big pretty not honestly the biggest but, like a force on the the world stage or the little area stage um it, what'd you say it's like 500 people something minuscule like that um, yeah it's um so they are like sort of they're independent of like the larger kingdom of Toromechia, um, which is for the first couple volumes, that's like a lot of the contention is, and that's what the movie focuses on is sort of the, the, the fight between Nausicaa in this larger kingdom. Um, but also like uh, the Valley of the wind, uh, which obviously Nausicaa is from is sort of indebted uh, to Toromechia in some way. So like at first it's and eventually she does like go to war with them, like alongside them. Yeah. Um, well, they have some conflict, but basically, there's a bigger war going on between um, Toromeki and. Will you remind me, Joe, with the the potato? Uh, the, the Dorox, I believe they're called. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's right. And the Dorox, and it, it's sort of like that adds to it too, where it's like Toromekia is like they don't have enough people, <laughs> so they like steal people from neighboring kingdoms, and like it, it, it yeah. just really feels like, especially with the war going on, it just feels like everything is dying, and there's this constant like prophecy of the end of the world um going on which is just like a very unique like mood I, like reading this like puts me in a really weird mood and i don't think i've ever experienced it with anything else where it's just like impending doom is like not only in the plot but in the world 
Um, yeah. And it's not just like, oh, like, we're going to save the world. It's going to be better. It's not like, oh, the aliens are coming. Let's save it. It's more like, even if the hero wins in the end of the story, like, I feel like the world will still be depleted and awful. Um, so that's that's interesting. And I think that's the big thing that strikes me uh, from reading it again, but also the, the thing that, like, I remembered a lot from reading it the first time um, is just, like, this really good world building and interesting yeah. creatures and situation. I mean, it's 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 a really fascinating book to me, like, in part because, you know, a lot of it is obviously, like, concerned with the balance between, like, people and nature. Like, we, we, we live in effectively, like, or the, the like, it's not set after like our world or anything but it's like you know it's post climate catastrophe is yeah, like what's happening I mean, there you hit that point where it's like like and it's like you know wow people you know because this book came out in the 80s and it's like people were having the same concerns that we had today you know like yeah, <laughs> yeah no it's 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 really interesting um and then you obviously get this like awesome like artwork all the time which is just like very fine very you know lots of line marks um you know inking and there's there's no color so a lot of it is just through texture um yeah and that which i think i think mostly works really well yeah like like, i i think there are some spots where like i think it can become unclear what exactly is happening but like probably 85 90 percent 95 percent of the time i'm just like wow this is like one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. Um, yeah, it can be a little confusing, but I don't think that I think that even for those moments, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it away. I wouldn't opt out for a different art style just because it works so well with some of the world he has set up, uh, especially the yeah. Omu, what are they called Omu, the big like the Omu, yeah, the big like exoskeleton bug, ginormous things just look so cool and so specific to that art style. Uh, and just like the the sea of corruption too, and all the the how do you say that, Joe? Miasma, mi, mi, miasma, yeah. yeah, miasma. Like the spores that are let out is just so so good in that style that even even when it does get confusing, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't get rid of it. Yeah, I don't know if I want to uh, diagnose it, but I feel like some of it is like obviously it's beautiful artwork, and I, I think like the the panel compositions more often than not like really work especially at the beginning uh when when he's like introducing us to this world but like some of it i think is like i don't know uh like i i i actually i i don't know if this was like miyazaki's first comic or not so i'm not gonna like say i don't know uh there are i think what you're trying to say and you're too scared is that some of it's confusing and this is true yeah um, oh i thought i did say that but, oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> the action can be really confusing and it's also got a serious case of like anime face. Like a lot of the characters look identical. Um, and it's for me, at least very confusing sometimes. I Uh, think some of that is just like, I don't know if you watch a lot of Ghibli movies, you know that Miyazaki has like a couple like presets of faces that he likes to go back to. This book only Um, has one and old people, old men with one face. (laughs) And then like, well, so, so, uh, so Kuratawa, who's like the, the evil guy, uh with sort of the 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 goatee i guess like that's sort of one of his kind of face archetypes um and it's one that shows up only a couple times but like there's another minor character i think in like volume three um who like also has that face and it's like super confusing at first yeah i got confused with because the the princess who has armor 
mm-hmm. is you know covered up a lot and then revealed, but she's like still in her heavy heavy armor, and then later it cuts like it's it's her in her like princess gear, and like you, I, I it wasn't that it was totally unclear. I was just like, are these the same person? Um, and it turns <laughs> out they are, but they look really similar, and she looks really similar to Nausicaa. She looks exactly the same except taller, um, like same hair, yeah. kind of crazy. <laughs> And then, like, the that old guys, like, the old, the old guys just, like, both have ginormous mustache beard things, and it's so unnecessary. Yeah, and one of them has, like, an eye patch. Yeah, one of them has an eye patch. I was going to say that, which is, like, the distinguishing thing, but, like... But otherwise, they look identical. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, anyway, so there so are... that's a little like bit that. of an issue. That is a bit of... I agree. I there, there was a lot of points where I had to, like, go back to clarify for myself. Um, but... But whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, Nick, some... look, yeah, this is a comic. <laughs> Nick, fuck yeah, this is a comic. Yeah, it's just it's really good, really good stuff. Um, what else is good, Joe? Um, so I do want to go back to sort of uh, what we were talking about at first, which is like the hostility of the world, um, which I think is just really well conveyed, um, especially in like the opening scene because like the the first thing we we really see nausicaa do is like scavenge off of like a dead omu and like i i think her first line of dialogue or at least one of her first lines of dialogue is just like she's taking i guess the the eyelid off of it um and saying like oh this would make a perfect gunship canopy um and that's so interesting because it like tells us a lot about the world, even when, you know, you know, like I, I had seen the movie before, but I, I didn't remember that much of it. Um, so sort of going into the world fresh, like you learn a lot and they never, at least at first, they don't directly tell you, like there are some exposition dumps later, but yeah, it's really cool. There's a very deep, like there's a lot of information thrown at you about like the history and like it's not that it's like a lot all at once. There's just like a lot everywhere. There's a lot to remember, a lot of like a lot of detail, which is really, really good. And it, I think this, I think it, it, you're right. It does a good job of sort of plopping you in the middle to make it really interesting to you know discover, but also like has a good mystery for the characters who are in the world uh, and sort of the history of the the spores and how that started. And uh, it unfolds a little bit more as you go on. I'm not sure if we're like fully in that yet, but. It it, it it just does a really good job of like constantly having something very interesting about the world going on. Like first you're like getting to know it and then there's like a mystery about it and then it's revealed. There's like twists um, and it's just like very tight in that way. Um, so yeah. Cool. And it also like at least up to the point where, where I've read, it sort of refuses to be about like just one thing, not so much in terms of theme, but in terms of like conflict because like I said, at first it's like about Nausicaa versus the Turamekians kind of. Uh, but then it's like Nausicaa and the Turamekians versus the Doroks. And I'm sure there will be a lot of a lot a lot more complications added. Yeah, I mean, time. That's, um, that's true. Even to add to your examples, there's like the, the Omu like being in conflict with humans and Nausicaa having to like mediate, which like both sides aren't really villains. Because she I mean, I think I think that just speaks to like Nausicaa as a character, honestly, because she is so, so likable. And, like, mm-hmm. she's so likable because she's so sympathetic to, like, every part of nature and every every human. Like, every she's that's how she is. 
which sounds a little corny, but just like comes across really well. I, I don't know. How do you feel about her as a? Uh, I I agree. I think um, you know, sort of that that empathy that you're talking about is really interesting because it's like almost it's played like so straight to the point where like she literally has telepathy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like with the the animals of the forest. Well, there's another, um, yeah, there's, there's, but it like works really well. Yeah, there's like even another thing going on where like Nasuka is this like sort of special chosen one possibly. Like she has like these these strange powers that are sort of revealing themselves as as it goes on. So there's that aspect, but the, you know, like you said, there's a lot there's a lot going on. Well, I, I like her as sort of this like I don't want to say messiah, but like messiah like character in the world, um, like. As it goes on, every side of like begins to recognize how special she is, and like in a way, her like empathy towards everyone is sort of like her superpower. Like not really, but like like she has other things going on, like telepathy, obviously. Um, and she has like <laughs> a really good connection to animals, like the the fox, her her friend the fox, that's cute and adorable. Um, yeah, and she's, like obviously really good at fighting and like talking to the wind or whatever she does with her with her hand glider, but mm-hmm. she's also just like she changes the outcome of like world world conflict because she's she's so nice to everyone um, yeah and i think i think part of the reason that works so well is because the story is often so unrelentingly grim like there's a lot of violence there's a lot of just like people dying and like taking in the casualties of war in a way that is not sugar-coated yeah, um, it's, it's and even, I think a lot of yeah, it's even like extra, like because it's so like there's this like weird bug aspect, like this this part this part of the book where like a bunch of maggots. That's actually the one creature she doesn't have sympathy for in the book. <laughs> <laughs> All the, the maggots crawl up on her, and she's like, ah, it's like extra gross. It's like fantasy gross too, beyond being mm-hmm. fine. Anyways, as you were, yeah. Um, where was I? I do really. Uh, I apologize. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, I think there are a lot of like similar, sort of more recent stories that are like geared at kids. Uh, like even even Kipo, uh, which we talked about like a while ago, um, like that that's trying to do like a similar thing with like right. oh like the protagonist's power is empathy to some extent. It's a good point. Um, and I think the reason that it works here, um, to an extent where it doesn't work in in uh stuff that is geared toward towards people who are younger is just like they 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 can go a bit farther with it they they can like you know nausicaa is allowed to be grim in a way that that stuff isn't um and i think that makes the contrast work a lot better yeah that's actually i think those are some really good points joe and i like the comparison to kipo because it helps me think about it because i was reading this Mm -hmm. again and i was like why like i was like nausicaa's whole thing is just like She's like the perfect hero, basically, and she's like, I'm, I'm like, that sounds really boring to me. But when I read it, I, I like her so so much. Like I just like, I, and I was I'm I'm still trying to think about why that is. But I think that's a really good point that the world is so real and grim around her. So her her sort of light of hope situation is is kind of it, it feels more important and more like when she does do that, it's it's for for something real so that... yeah i mean like to to talk about even kid shows more it's like it's why avatar last airbender works you know like <laughs> yeah yeah 
Well, I'm just saying that Nausicaa, like as a character so far, doesn't have as much depth as those. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like on the surface, like like when like if I told you about her, I don't know a lot about her except for that. You know that she's like a noble hero. It's 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 not like. I think well. that there are elements to her that they sort of imply at the beginning um, that are really interesting if you think about them. Like her uh, her parents had like. 12 other kids i think and she's the only one that lived um and like some of them i think she had to take care of herself um and like now you know besides her dad who's like on his deathbed she's like the last of her family and that's like crazy to think about like she's seen so much death in her life yeah she does have like i like i like the way they drop you off into her where she's like someone who is almost ready for like all the responsibility ever like Mm -hmm. that's kind of her deal um yeah, yeah. I, I find her to be very likable. The side characters, for the most part, I don't find too interesting, uh, except for when they're sort of enemies or people who are you know used to be enemies, and you know exploring them a little bit more just makes makes the world feel bigger. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. In the in the later chunks, we sort of get into like uh, Kurotawa, who's like sort of the the duplicitous helper guy to like the the Turamekian princess um and like he's he's sort of interesting because like he's sort of always at odds with everybody else um princess herself or kushana is her name i think um like she's pretty cool um like i I don't think it's necessarily a book that you read for the depth of the characters but i think if you're looking for that then you can find a lot like i said where they sort of imply interesting things in their backgrounds yeah that makes sense um you know it's more it's more about the world and sort of the themes yeah i I agree i agree i think from what i remember nausicaa becomes they sort of lean heavily into that messiah thing i was talking about and it gets like crazier than you would ever expect and Mm -hmm. like she there's a little bit more on her um which is super cool and then that sort of that sort of leads you into the end of it and i I think that you know as far as motives go you really get a good sense of motives for all the opposing forces. So I think that's something to, to think. Like there's the assistant guy to the princess. What's his name? Jesus. Did you just talk about him? Or... Yeah, Kurotawa. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, he's always got his selfish motives. Like it's it's just like a bunch of like, you you really understand where everyone's coming from. So that that's something at least. It's not like it's totally devoid of, you know, you're, that's exactly what you just said. But yeah. Oh, you, you, know who's, you know who's good? Who's good? Uh, I forget his name, but like the 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 big bad guy that they're sort of hinting at, um, like the, the, the priest, uh, guy of the Doroks, the white priest or the, not like white, but like white robes and like, or Um, the lesser, his lesser. Uh, I think I'm talking about the, the big guy, the really creepy one. (laughs) Oh, the, the guy behind the curtain. Maybe. There's so many big bad guys. That's the problem. Yeah, man, I don't remember his name. There's uh, two entire organizations with like three or four levels of like. Um, anyway, there's a really creepy dude in this, and I love him. <laughs> yeah, all the creepy characters are really awesome. And there's there's this all there's this other like, like you said, there's so much going on. There's like this other like mystical force going on where like the giants. There's like hints at giants existing, and that's yeah. kind of confusing and like the magic object that they're all chasing around. There's just like so much going on that it's like totally fun. And I know I said earlier that the action doesn't come across well, but sometimes it does. Um, I meant more like combat action, I think, but like the flying 
so good. Like her, Nasuka has like a cool little hand glider. It's it's awesome to watch her fly. Yeah, I think actually the um the big scene in the beginning where uh, they're they're kind of trying to turn back the Omu. Her and her and yeah, Nuka, yeah, that really works. Uh, that really works. Also, in the first volume, there's like the fight she has with the the soldier in yeah. the Valley of the Wind. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that's really cool because they really like sort of portray her physicality as opposed to his uh, in like this really cool way where she's like doing all these cool flips and jumps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think I misspoke, and what I meant was really in combat, it, like specific combat, because even like later, there's like battle scenes that I think really work, um, like with the like larger things going on but i think i don't know sometimes like specific it's not it's not like the whole thing is unclear it's in specific instances i'm like wait what you know what i mean um mm-hmm. that, that, I, I get you like yeah. uh i think there are some panels where um sometimes he'll use like it'll sort of look like a blast of energy yeah um, to like convey like thrusters activating or something on like her glider or on a ship yeah. um and it's like in the moment, it's kind of unclear what that means unless you look at like the panels around it and sort of cross-reference. Yeah, but there's so much detail that you sort of can go back and look for evidence, which is a nice thing. Yeah. I mean, so speaking of all the detail, it's like, I think that is something that is usually like really impressive and great about the book, but I think that is something that also like occasionally contributes it to like the it, the readability being like a bit more difficult. Um just because like there's so much happening on the page all the time that it can be hard to like know where to focus your eyes occasionally. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I'm interested in what you think. Do you think this would book would benefit from color? I don't know that it would is the thing. Yeah. I feel like you kind of lose some of that texture. Yeah. I think you really would, but you would gain um, a lot of clarity and there's a lot of focus on color in this book. Like there's a lot of like mention of color, like Nausicaa is supposed to always wear blue and the the eyes of the Omu or something touched upon a lot. Yeah. In a way that almost feels like it like it's begging for color. Give me color. Like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you would lose some of the texture. I don't know. I, th- I think that, that, that I don't know. That thought bums me out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking like a very light watercolor. That's what I'm Yeah. Like on the covers. Yeah, exactly. That's working. I'd be into it. If someone like, you know, I, I kind of doubt Miyazaki would want to do yeah. it. He doesn't um, even want to make the rest of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> really doesn't want to, but if someone else does, be my yeah. guess. If, uh, I don't know, that would be an interesting project to take on uh, if someone wanted to do it. Yeah, not, um, me, but yeah. not me either. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so so the, sort of something this book reminds me of in, in kind of sort of uh how it plays out but also just what it is um like to some extent i feel like the the feeling that i got reading this book um is the same sort of feeling that people like must have had when they were like watching star wars for the first time in 1977 Mm. like not so much the cultural context obviously because you know we're far past the point when this book came out um but to the extent that you're just sucked into this whole other world that feels so real and strange and, and, and impactful. Whimsy. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's what I, I mean. Would... To, to some extent. Yeah. I think just, I, I think that's a really good comparison actually, Joe, that's like two or three good comparisons you made today. 
thank you very much. Uh, well, I'm about to throw another one at you. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> okay, so like last episode we talked about Black Set, right? Which is mainly significant, uh, or like the the cool things that it does is because it is because it is combining other cool things that you've seen before, or at least like you know. Uh, it's putting stuff together in an unexpected way, and that's sort of the the innovation about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but like the individual parts have not been like, you know, that you've seen that been you've seen that done before. Um, but like this book, you know, it feels all new. Like there's there's nothing quite like Nausicaa, and if there is, then like you know, you're probably thinking of something that is sort of playing off of Nausicaa. Yeah, the ostrich horses from Avatar are just like here, um, and that's yeah. cool to see. The hybrid animal. <laughs> uh, so that's a good one. They're called something else, but I mean, really, they're just ostrich. Horse claws, I think. Yeah, well, that's a stupid name. <laughs> I think mean, the animal names are good in this book. <laughs> no, no, Joe, they're not. It should be called an ostrich horse. It makes far more sense. Well, I like horse claw. What do I like? I like horse. There's uh, there's the bug creatures, which are called Yanmas, which I think is really funny because a Yanma is the name of a Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> that's great, Joe. That's hilarious. <laughs> yep that's that's me that's what i offer <laughs> all right i think i think those are my general thoughts on the book definitely highly recommend i think a lot of what i really really love about this is the way it concludes and escalates so i hope we do the rest of them some other time uh, yeah so I, I think we should definitely all right yeah cool okay nick uh today as we do every week, we're going to be talking about current events a little bit. Yes. But hopefully not in a boring way. Sounds good. Let's talk. Uh, yeah. So tomorrow, as we all know, is the election. Um, and I think that there's a lot of stuff happening that people generally aren't aware of because of everything else going on. Um, so I'd like to highlight a very specific thing that I think is important and will probably affect you if you're listening, I think. Um, or at the very least, it's a, a, a good thing to know about and keep in mind, um, even if it won't affect you. Um, so next week, on November 10th, uh, the Supreme Court is going to start hearing arguments on whether the ACA uh, or the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, you might know it as, um, whether it's unconstitutional. Um, there are a number of ways that could turn out, uh, so I don't want to be completely alarmist uh but i will say there are now six conservative justices on the court and three liberal ones so odds are not the best for the aca um they're not necessarily the worst um some of the conservative justices on the court have ruled in unexpected ways in the past um but there is like some cause for concern uh anyway if you don't know much about the aca uh you might be asking why does this matter well for one thing uh more than 20 million americans gain health care gain their health care because of it. Um, but I want to focus on a particular provision of it, um, which requires healthcare insurers to extend uh, dependent coverage on a family plan until the age of 26. Um, before the ACA, coverage for dependents would only extend to age 19 uh, or when the dependent graduated college. Uh, basically, if you're under 26, uh, your parents or guardians extend their healthcare coverage to you if they have it. Um, and that wouldn't have happened before the ACA, um, at least if you're over the age of 19. 
Um, and that's important because U.S. healthcare is really expensive. Um, anyway, if the ACA is struck down by the court, a lot of those people in particular will lose their coverage. Um, now, so this doesn't affect, I think, either of us um, because Massachusetts has its own healthcare system, which has been unchallenged for like 15 years. But it does affect every other state. Um, and that's pretty important because, you know, people need to go to the doctor. Um, so where does that lead us? Um, well, there, there are... But Joe, what can two, I do? What can you do? Yeah. Uh, well, there are two guys running for president. Uh, you've probably heard of them. <laughs> um, Donald Trump, he's got no health care plan. I cannot emphasize enough that he has like no idea. No plan. He's got no plan. <laughs> he's got no plan. <laughs> <laughs> like literally there's nothing like I, I think there was you know some reporter or something a while ago asked him if he had a plan uh and he like sort of didn't say anything and then like one of his one of his people came down oh, and just like 60 minutes 60 minutes he walked oh yeah away. yeah he walked away and uh and then uh, later his assistant brought a like cement block not really like a huge book <laughs> this is our plan and then walked away <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> so Joe Biden's healthcare plan, not my favorite, but it would improve upon the ACA and it would keep that cool, like, you know, dependent coverage thing um, if it goes through. Um, so the U.S. healthcare system, far from ideal, uh, you know, but I would prefer that we don't even that we don't make it even worse. Um, anyway, I think this is pretty important um, and not that many people are talking about it from what I've seen. Uh I recommend voting for, for Biden because of all that. Uh, but I think it's also important that you, you vote for like progressive politicians and policies down ballot because, you know, local politics is where change happens a lot easier. Uh, politics are weird and dumb. Uh, and, you know, voting isn't the only way you can make a difference. Um, but it's like going to the dentist. Um, it can help things not get drastically worse. <laughs> Anyway, that's my piece. Joe, I, I agree. Good work. Cool, thanks. I did a lot of research for that. Yeah. Hey, um, I just sent you a picture of the enormous binder. Um, oh. It was handed. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I think that might just be a box. <laughs> I, it's a binder, I think. Um, or Doesn't it? <laughs> it's got like a piece of paper like taped to the cover. Yeah. Anyways. Um. I, I think you're right. I'm going to go really early to vote tomorrow. Uh, nice. Because I haven't yet. Have you? Uh, I have. I did early voting and I, I checked the website and it's been counted. Nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, if you've already voted, then I, I think you should find something relaxing to do tomorrow night. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, do you want to hear the quote this week? Uh, I very much do. This one's a little dramatic. I'm not sure if it's like super great or like a little dramatic. Um, it's by Oliver Stone because I've been watching that Netflix documentary of his, Untold History mm -hmm. of the U.S. Um, and I was like, that's a cool quote. Whose is it? And it's just like him because he like narrates the show. Anyways, to fail is not tragic. To be human is. I kind of like that. I'm a little undecided, but I think it's interesting. It made me notice it in a good way. 
Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a comics and pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and Nick Protopapis. You can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com, where you can send us letters or tell us about books you want covered on the show. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Joby underscore draws. You can read my webcomic, Aeronaut, at jobydraws.com. Volume 2 is coming out in print pretty soon. Uh, as always, Nick has nothing to promote except for wisdom. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It would uh, help us out. Uh, stay safe and see you next time.